Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for the August 20th Sunday reading of the Estes Park News. I'm Kathy Piancone. Today we'll be reading the following main articles. Rocky Mountain National Park. Two separate incidents in Rocky Mountain National Park with one fatality above Chasm Lake and two others seriously injured. Should Estes Park's 1% sales tax be renewed? By Travis Michalik. Town of Estes Park. Carly Bangs to serve as housing and child care manager. Estes Park Archives Fundraiser for Kula Community on East Maui. And following up with miscellaneous articles. Rocky Mountain National Park. Two separate incidents in Rocky Mountain National Park, with one fatality above Chasm Lake and two others seriously injured. Last Saturday afternoon, August 12th, a 21-year-old female from Severance, Colorado, died after an approximate 300-foot fall. A 25-year-old male from San Angelo, Texas, also fell approximately 300 feet and suffered critical injuries. The two individuals fell while descending in the Flying Dutchman Couloir. This couloir is located inside Rocky Mountain National Park between Long's Peak and Mount Meeker. Park visitors in the area contacted park rangers via cell phone in addition to activating a personal locator beacon. Bystanders provided initial care to the seriously injured male. Park rangers, a park paramedic, and an Estes Park Health paramedic provided advanced medical care on scene. Because of the severity of the 25-year-old male's injuries, park rangers asked for assistance from a Colorado Air National Guard helicopter from Buckley Air Force Base to extricate him via hoist operation using a winch-operated cable. Rocky Mountain Rescue Group assisted with the helicopter hoist operations. The man was transferred to a Flight for Life air ambulance at Upper Beaver Meadows and flown to Medical Center of the Rockies. Overall, 31 people were involved in this rescue operation, including Rocky Mountain National Park Search and Rescue team members, assisted by Estes Park Health, Rocky Mountain Rescue, and Colorado Air National Guard. As is standard protocol, this incident is under investigation. Recovery operations for the female were hampered by weather and took place on Monday. Her body was transferred to the Boulder County Coroner's Office. The woman's name will be released after positive identification has been made and next of kin are notified. Late Friday afternoon, August 11th, a 64-year-old male from College Station, Texas, took an approximate 60-foot tumbling fall from the ledges on Keyhole Route on Long's Peak. A bystander provided critical care to him until park rangers arrived on scene. Rocky Mountain National Park search and rescue team members provided advanced medical care. 
Because of the location and severity of the man's injuries, park rangers asked for assistance from a Colorado Air National Guard helicopter from Buckley Air Force Base to extricate him via a hoist operation using a winch-operated cable. Rocky Mountain Rescue Group assisted with the helicopter hoist operations. The man was transferred to a Flight for Life air ambulance at Upper Beaver Meadows and flown to Medical Center of the Rockies. Rocky Mountain National Park search and rescue team members hiked out and reached the Longs Peak Trailhead at midnight on Friday. Should Estes Park's 1% sales tax be renewed? By Travis Machalik, Town of Estes Park Administrator. Part 1. Reviewing the Town's Work Over the Past Decade In 2014, Estes Park voters approved a 1% sales tax to fund streets, trails, the construction of a community center, and emergency communications. Voters approved this sales tax, known as Ballot Issue 1A, for a period of 10 years, sunsetting at the end of June 2024. As this taxing timeline ends, I want to reflect on the benefits the measure has delivered to our community. I also want to share what could be next, because you've told us there is more work to be done. When voters approved the 1% sales tax, they ensured that the millions of visitors that enjoy our town could share in the cost of the work we need to do to keep Estes Park a great place to live, work, and visit. In fact, estimates developed by Visit Estes Park indicate that as much as 83.5% of local sales tax is generated by visitors to Estes Park. Using sales tax to fund important town projects allows us to keep our portion of property taxes very low. In 2022, the 1% sales tax generated approximately $4.2 million to fund streets, trails, construction of the community center, and emergency communications. How have we been spending the 1A revenue that expires in 2024? Streets. 60% of 1A revenues are used to fund the construction, repair, replacement, expansion, rehabilitation, and renovation of existing town-managed streets. 11.4 miles overlaid. 136 locations patched. 37.8 miles chip-sealed. 78.5 miles crack-sealed. All told, approximately 88% of town roadway segments have been crack-sealed, chip-sealed, patched, or overlaid through the 1A program. This is in addition to 8,854 potholes patched with the spray pothole patcher machine purchased and operated with 1A funds. The Town Road Systems Quality Score increased from 65 out of 100 in 2015 to 79 today thanks to work funded through 1A. Community Center 25% of 1A revenue is remitted to the Estes Valley Recreation and Park District to support the construction costs of the Estes Valley Community Center. This facility opened on March 3, 2018, and is a vibrant hub for community activities and enrichment. 
trails and emergency response. Trail expansion, 12.5%, and emergency response, 2.5%, round out the allocation of the 1A revenues and funded the construction and expansion of public trails within the Estes Valley and emergency communication radios used by the police and public works departments. This fraction of the sales tax provided approximately $3.6 million in new revenue since 2014, which staff has leveraged to bring in an additional $6.3 million in grant funds to expand the town's trail system by over four miles along Fall River Road, Fish Hatchery Road, Dry Gulch Road, U.S. 34, McGregor Avenue, Brody Avenue, Safe Routes to School, Fourth Street, and Graves Avenue. Looking forward, what a renewed 1% sales tax could look like. 1A has made a tremendous difference in our community. The condition of our roads is better. We have new trails and a community center, and our emergency communication radios are up to date. That said, there is still work to be done. Through the strategic planning process, the town board determined that it was necessary to reevaluate the needs of our community as we approach the end of the 1A sales tax. Using community feedback from the biennial community survey, the comprehensive plan process, and the 2019 stormwater master plan process, town staff have developed a preliminary 1% renewal package for your feedback. Stay tuned for the next article later this week, where I'll provide an overview of the preliminary package and opportunities for feedback. Carly Bangs to serve as housing and child care manager. The town of Estes Park welcomes Carly Bangs as its housing and child care manager, a newly created position. Bangs will serve as the community liaison for projects that are designed to meet the significant needs for workforce attainable housing and childcare. Bangs has significant experience working with local government and local partners. She not only served as a trustee on the town board, but has also held positions at the YMCA of the Rockies, the EVICS Family Resource Center, and most recently, the Rocky Mountain Conservancy. As long standing needs expressed by the community, workforce, attainable housing, and childcare options are a priority outlined in the town board's strategic plan for many years. The town's efforts to date include pursuing partnerships. Supporting other organizations' efforts through grants, making policy changes to incentivize development of workforce attainable housing, and even planning for the use of town owned properties to help address the needs. As this work continues, the housing and child care manager will play a critical role in organizing and supporting these investments in Estes Park's workforce and families and the broader community. Bangs brings valuable insight to her new role. She commented, Child care and housing issues have been a focus for me since having my second child in 2017, when I learned firsthand how difficult it is to raise a family in the Estes Park community. She continued, 
That experience influenced my decision to run for local government and increase the representation of the young working class on the town board. Throughout my experience on the board and with great community collaboration, we were able to establish a plan, develop programs and incentives, and increase awareness of the issues surrounding childcare and housing. Estes Park has continued to make strides to address the issues that face many individuals and families in the workforce. With the passing of local ballot measure 6E in November 2022, our community has voiced the continued desire to prioritize the needs of the working class through the funding of childcare and housing initiatives. Bangs continued. As the housing and childcare manager, my role will be to develop and implement the budget for 6E funds to address childcare and housing needs using data-driven, transparent decision-making and future-focused sustainability. I'm eager to build upon relationships I've established over the past 10 years and be part of a lasting impact in the community I call home. I now have three daughters, and my devotion and passion to this cause has only intensified as I watch them grow up. It's an honor to serve the Estes Park community in this role. For more information, please contact Carly Bangs, Housing and Childcare Manager at cbangs at estes dot org, and nine seven zero five seven seven three eight nine four. Estes Park Archives Fundraiser for Kula Community on East Maui. When Isabella Bird visited Hawaii in 1873, she docked at least two times in Lahaina, Maui, describing it as thoroughly beautiful and tropical-looking, with its white latticed houses peeping out from under cocoa palms, breadfruit, candle nut, tamarinds, mangoes, bananas, and oranges, with the brilliant green of a narrow strip of sugarcane for a background. The Estes Park Archives had planned to spend one day in Lahaina next month during the three-state, month-long Isabella Bird sesquicentennial celebration running throughout September, but it's now more important to allow recovery efforts to come to the fore after last week's devastating wildfires, and to focus instead on raising funds for impacted families. The toll from the largest natural disaster in Maui's history will soon surpass the deadliest natural disaster in Colorado's history, that of the 1976 Big Thompson flood. Although Lahaina has suffered the brunt of the damage on Maui as far as loss of life and housing, Kula, an upcountry community on East Maui, closer in size and topography to Estes Park. Has also been devastated by fire and has not yet received the attention and will not receive the same financial relief that is currently pouring into Lahaina. We're encouraging a local grassroots effort to raise money for Kula homeowners who have lost everything, and will visit the Kula Lodge, which survived the blaze, on September 15th to distribute money raised in Estes Park and Northern Colorado. Directly to impacted families. To that end, 
Please stop by 240 Moraine Avenue during 9 to 5 business hours between August 21st and September 10th to sign the giant sympathy card and contribute $1.50 for the 150th anniversary of Isabella Bird's visit to Hawaii and Colorado per signature, 100% of which will go directly to Kula families in need. This is not a tax-deductible contribution, and we are not a 501c3 nonprofit. We just happen to be going to the islands next month as part of a group commemorating Isabella Bird's 1873 travels and wanted to spread some aloha from Colorado. We feel putting money directly into Kula pockets, rather than indirectly through tourism dollars, is now a more meaningful way to demonstrate how we are all knit together by shared experience. If you feel more comfortable giving your donations to the Hawaii Community Foundation and the Maui Strong Fund, any number of other reputable charitable organizations in Maui or national or international philanthropic organizations with Hawaii representation, please contact 586-4889 for website addresses, toll-free numbers, and locations. The Thunker by Sarah Donahoe This morning, after I'd read the news had done the New York Times mini-crossword and wordle, and read the daily message from Father Richard Rohr. This text from my friend Chris showed up on my phone. It is the quintessential beautiful summer day at your house and mine. I just took a short walk and wondered, am I doing all I can to soak up summer before it flies away? Am I appreciating it and being mindful of it? Probably not. I need to do better. Note, even though Chris wants to do better, already she's great at recognizing the positive in the situations. She has a way of warming the coldest, most blustery days. I replied, Are these thoughts you're having, and I am too, a product of our age, or are 20-somethings having similar thoughts? Imagine the college grad who is driving to an interview for her dream job when she gets a flat tire and misses the interview altogether. At that age, I don't imagine the young woman would shrug off her disappointment and sit home by herself that night thinking, I am so grateful to have the Big Bang Theory reruns to watch. Or the young father whose infant has been crying since before the sun came up and whose toddler is having a meltdown because the pear slices are touching the banana slices in his bowl. Poor dad is probably not taking the time to appreciate the moment. Nor is businesswoman mom crammed into economy class on an airplane, her knees crushed against the seat back in front of her while the passenger next to her keeps coughing. All she wants is to get home to her family. In the moment, she's probably not grateful that she travels for her job. As time passes, these young folks may be roused from sleep in the night, but it probably won't be because they're worried they can't afford new tires or due to the cry of a baby. Perhaps they'll be awakened gently by the soothing hoot of an owl, and they'll give thanks, not for material possessions, but for their sense of purpose, for their contentment with place, for their feelings of peace. 
Do not spoil what you have by desiring what you have not. Remember that what you have now was once among the things you only hoped for. Epicurus. For most of us, it takes a lifetime to get to this place of fulfillment. As I told Chris through our text exchange, I spent part of this morning asking how it would feel to fully appreciate what we have. I tried breathing deeper, opening my eyes, and really looking, thinking positively, staying in the now, and I still felt inadequate. I don't believe it's possible to live in the moment every minute of the day, because it's life. But when we are aware, more moments give themselves to us. Even the not-so-pleasant experiences can be recognized as blessings, and we're able to more easily forgive those who have wronged us. It may take most of our lives to get there, but we can do it. Reflect upon your present blessings, of which every man has plenty, not on your past misfortunes, of which all men have some. Charles Dickens Recently, I spent an afternoon visiting a friend in her mid-eighties. We sat on her deck, surrounded by her colorful potted flowers, talked of poetry and told stories of lost loved ones and found families. Louise is as fit as Richard Simmons, which she proved when she climbed up onto her deck table in order to open her sun umbrella, then hopped back down without hesitation. Small yet mighty, she could have scared off the bear that tried to break into her home a week earlier. But knowing Louise, she would have blessed the bear instead, if she'd been home. During our visit, Louise told me she had just returned from a five-day private retreat. I asked her what she did with her time. Did she read, write, talk with others at the retreat center? None of these things, she told me. She gave herself precious time away in order to prepare to go. Of course, she doesn't know when that will be. None of us knows our final departure date and time. But she wants to be ready and is looking forward to what comes next after wrapping up her time on earth. Louise is well-practiced at this exercise of gratitude. She's grateful for the here and now and for what's to come. Gratitude is the ability to experience life as a gift. It liberates us from the prison of self-preoccupation. John Ortberg I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. One small way is by remembering the advice of Anne Frank, a young woman wise beyond her 14 years. Go outside and try to recapture the happiness within yourself. Think of all the beauty in yourself and everything around you and be happy. If she could have this attitude, hiding in a cramped space for more than two years under Nazi persecution, certainly I can be grateful for my privileged life in this free country. I'll finish today's thoughts about mindfulness with a poem called Green Apples by Pulitzer Prize winner Ruth Stone, 1915-2011. It reminds me of when, as kids, my sister and I would pull sleeping bags out onto the deck to sleep. 
We would lie there, three abreast, and hold hands, appreciating together the wonders of the night. In August, we carried the old horsehair mattress to the back porch and slept with our children in a row. The wind came up the mountain into the orchard. Tell me something. Say something urgent. I was happy. The green apples fell on the sloping roof and rattled down. The wind was shaking me all night long, shaking me in my sleep like a definition of love, saying, This is the moment, here, now. You may let the thunker know what you think at her email address, d o n o h o l d t at gmail dot com. From the Mountains by Robert Burkhart. Read a book too. Censorship reflects a society's lack of confidence in itself. Potter Stewart. In the summer of 1964, I joined a workshop for high school English teachers at Vassar College, led by two marvelous professors. Between early morning and late afternoon seminars, we were encouraged to wander in the library stacks and discover books not previously encountered. What a delicious assignment! One cannot and must not try to erase the past. Merely because it does not fit the present. Golda Meir. One day, I pulled Newt Hampson's Growth of the Soil, unaware it had earned him 1920's Nobel Prize in Literature. By the time I learned the Norwegians' political views were tarnished, he supported Hitler in World War II and was prosecuted. I had finished the book. It wasn't my first encounter with a controversial writer, nor will it be my last. You don't have to burn books to destroy a culture, just get the people to stop reading them. Ray Bradbury. Why do some humans cower before provocative ideas? What do they fear, and what do they hope to protect? Self appointed thought czars wage campaigns against the Bible, Shakespeare, Barney and Barbie, seeking what Michael Daly labels the specter of smut. They seem not to understand that censorship breeds defiance. Do you know anyone whose curiosity remained tethered after encountering the siren letters NSFW? Any book worth banning is a book worth reading. Isaac Asimov. PEN America lists 1,600 books banned in the 2021 22 school year. Between July and December last year, Texas banned 438 books, Florida 360, Missouri 312, with South Carolina and Utah not far behind. Titles included Animal Farm, Mouse, 1984. Charlotte's Web, The Grapes of Wrath, To Kill a Mockingbird, The Lorax, and Merriam Webster's Dictionary. Ignorance is not bliss, it's stupid. Banning books shows you don't trust your kids to think, and you don't trust yourself to be able to talk to them. 
Anna Quindlin. It's not age-appropriate, is a frequent refrain. Molly Bloom's monologue in Ulysses is clearly inappropriate for young readers, but where does one draw the line? What criteria best honor societal comedy while promoting individual growth? Parents play a critical role in encouraging and guiding children to read and, early on, what to read. It can get contentious as tots become teens. When you were a teenager, did you heed adult warnings about any books? I was fortunate. Our parents never kept books from my siblings and me. They periodically suggested titles. Lizzie and I practiced the same policy with Eileen and Patrick. Civilization has not yet collapsed. Puritanism is the haunting fear that someone, somewhere, may be happy. H. L. Mencken Teens and young adults who select texts to read will cherish some and dismiss others. We cannot protect our children from life. They will encounter loneliness, disappointment, anger, despair, confusion, and pain. Reading books that reflect real life will, in Jefferson's phrase, inform their discretion, contributing to understanding human experience. We yearn to protect them, but that is as impossible as it is undesirable. You can cage the singer, but not the song. Harry Belafonte As toddlers become tweens, curiosity about life expands. Questions rise about taboo topics, sex, race, religion. How does the human body operate? What does it mean to be lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or queer? Why does prejudice exist? What's racism's legacy? What's the source of one's deepest beliefs? Individuals who delay or avoid these questions ultimately weaken our social fabric. You think your pain and your heartbreak are unprecedented in the history of the world, but then you read. It was books that taught me the things that tormented me most were the very things that connected me with all the people who were alive, who ever had been alive. James Baldwin What's the purpose of literature if not to inform, entertain, and persuade? When we see the world through the eyes of others, we train the mind for flexibility. We fuel the imagination and improve communication skills, helping us more fully understand what it means to be human. Think for yourselves and let others enjoy the privilege to do so, too. Voltaire. If the Mountbanks who seek to muzzle Sherman Alexie, Judy Bloom, Stephen King, and Toni Morrison prevail, there will be little left on library shelves but pusillanimous pablum. We will have lost more than we can afford to cynics who, in Oscar Wilde's words, know the price of everything and the value of nothing. Censorship always defeats its own purpose, for it creates a society incapable of appreciating the difference between independence of thought and subservience. Henry Steele Commager Reader response welcome. 
FTM7522 at gmail.com. Emmy Award-winning Hollywood writer-producer David Weimers returns to Estes Park. Hollywood writer and producer David Weimers has returned to his home in Estes Park. David won the Emmy in 1988 for writing and producing Jim Henson's Muppet Babies. He was also nominated for five primetime and daytime Emmys for Disney's DuckTales, a show he created and which is still on the air today. Over the years, David not only created many of Disney's top animated television shows, DuckTales, Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, Tailspin, and Tarzan, but he also worked in situation comedies. He wrote and produced such memorable series as Murphy Brown with Candace Bergen, Newhart with Bob Newhart, Harry and the Hendersons starring Bruce Davison, Major Dad with Gerald McRaney, and Frasier with Kelsey Grammer. David was raised in Estes Park and went from kindergarten through 12th grade here. His father worked in the Rocky Mountain National Park, and his mother worked at various jobs around town. For ten summers, David worked for Carl and Bernice Robbie at the infamous Dude Drive-In, which helped put him through college. After high school graduation, David attended San Diego State University, where he graduated in 1975. Hollywood was the next step, and his big break came when Michael Eisner took over the Walt Disney Company. David was one of the first writer-producers hired by Eisner, and he wrote and produced Disney's first-ever animated series, The Wuzzles, back in 1984. David retired from show business back in 1910. Note, probable error and now spends his time lecturing on cruise ships. He lectures about his Hollywood career and, to date, has lectured on more than 88 cruises around the world. Mayor Wendy Koenig and her husband Roger attended one of his cruises going to Antarctica in 2017. Wendy and Roger and David grew up together. They were all next-door neighbors growing up. Wendy is like my little sister. We're still close. Our families were best friends. We have memories going back over 50-plus years, said David. David and his partner, Paul Turner, have a summer home on Prospect Mountain and a winter home in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's the best of both worlds, said David. Although much of my time is on a ship around the world, how bad a retirement is that? Estes Park School District R3. Education at Elevation. Learning at a higher level. EstesSchools.org. School Board Election. Two open director seats for Estes Park School District R3. Do you want to serve students, public education, and your community? The Estes Park School District R3 calls for nomination of candidates for school directors to be placed on the ballot for the regular biennial school election to be held on Tuesday, November 7, 2023. At this election, 
two director seats will be up for election for a term of office of four years. To be qualified, a candidate must have been a registered elector of the school district for at least 12 consecutive months before the election. A person is ineligible to run for school director if he or she has been convicted of committing a sexual offense against a child. A person who desires to be a candidate for school director shall file a written notice of intention to be a candidate and a nomination petition signed by at least 50 eligible electors who are registered to vote in the regular biennial school election. Nomination packets, which include the notice of intention, petition, and other important documents, may be obtained at the Estes Park School District R3 Administration Office, 1605 Brody Avenue, Estes Park, Colorado, 80517. Office hours are 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., Monday through Friday. Due to the time needed to put petition material together, we ask that you schedule an appointment by emailing Erin Copeland or calling her at 970-586-2361, extension 3001. Completed petitions should be submitted by appointment to Erin Copeland no later than 3.30 p.m. on September 1, 2023. You may find additional information on how to become a candidate on the Colorado Association of School Boards website. Read more about the Estes Park School District Board of Education at estesschools.org. 16th Annual Handmade in Colorado Expo in Bond Park, August 25th through 27th. This 16th annual Handmade in Colorado Expo is a juried event showcasing some of Colorado's best fine art and contemporary craft. The event will feature a vast array of independent designers producing original handcrafted goods from a wide array of media, including metals, paper, glass, fibers, food, fabricated objects, clay, Paint, wax, gems, and more. All work sold will be created from both emerging and experienced artisans from Colorado. This event is designed for locavores who will only find Colorado made items sold by exhibitors that will interact directly with their customers. This event has free admission and some great local live music. Come support your local artists and craftspeople in their pursuit of creativity made by hand. This nine day celebration of local art takes place during four awesome weekends in Estes Park, downtown Denver, Glenwood Springs, and the Vale Village. Experience great shopping, awesome live music, and live art at the longest running and Best Festival exclusive to Colorado artists and crafters. Time and location Estes Park, Bond Park, McGregor Avenue, Estes Park, is located on McGregor Avenue and Elkhorn Avenue, the main street in the center of downtown Estes Park. Friday, August 25th, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday, August 26th, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. 
and Sunday, August 27th, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Don't miss it. Treasure Tables Arts and Crafts Sale, Saturday, October 28th. Join us for a free admission arts and craft show in Estes Park on October 28th. Vendor spots are still available. This event is called Treasure Tables and features free parking and more than 50 vendors welcoming the public from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday, October 28th at the Event Center at the Fairgrounds, 1125 Rooftop Way. Food trucks will be available and a special bake sale will also take place. Treasure Tables is an annual eclectic arts and crafts fair sponsored by a local philanthropic educational organization, Estes Park Chapter IY, with IY proceeds going to benefit women of all ages in furthering their college education through PEO International. Founded in 1869 by seven young college women, PEO International has grown and has helped more than 116,000 women by giving nearly $400 million in scholarships and financial aid. In addition, Chapter IY Foundation has annually given scholarships to local Estes Park High School graduates. In addition to home-baked items from IY, the vendors offer an array of unique and handcrafted items for sale. Local authors will be selling their books, artisans will be selling pottery, local photographers will be selling their images. If you want to get a jump on holiday shopping, make a day of it in Estes Park at the fairgrounds. There's plenty of parking, lots of food, will be available to eat on-site or save for dinner, and you're sure to find one-of-a-kind items. Last year, Swedish dishcloths were a big seller. If you'd like to be a vendor, there's still time to buy your table, which will be seen by up to 500 people on the big day. Tables cost 110 or 120 depending on the location in the event center. Last year, more than 60 vendors turned the event center into a lively pre-holiday marketplace. For more information or to rent a table, contact P-E-O Treasure Tables at gmail.com. You will find fanciful soaps, lotions and essential oils, keepsakes and ornaments, artwork, woolen personal wear, candles, stained glass art, books, pottery, and food products. Additionally, you can feel good about supporting PEO's mission to help women reach their goals through education. Sister Cities is back in Estes Park. After a two-year hiatus and a complete reorganization, the Estes Park Sister Cities Association, EPSCA, is functioning again with a new board of directors, a membership drive starting in September, and plans for future activities and programs. Through its affiliation with Sister Cities International, Estes Park has been partnered with the town of Monteverde, Costa Rica, for almost 20 years. The COVID-19 pandemic brought us 
as does Park Sister City Association, to a standstill, with no activities undertaken since 2019. Estes Park Sister City Association is a nonprofit organization with the purpose of connecting the Estes Park community with our partners in Monteverde, building relationships through citizen diplomacy. During the pandemic, Estes Park Sister City Association's 501c3 tax-exempt status was deactivated, but has recently been reinstated by the IRS. The organization's registration with the Colorado Secretary of State also lapsed, but the Estes Park Sister City Association Board is working on having it restored soon. Given the reinstatement of Estes Park Sister City Association's tax-exempt status, a membership drive is set to begin next month. The newly seated Board of Directors has scheduled a festive membership recruitment party on Wednesday, September 13th, from 5.30 to 7 p.m. at the Estes Park Museum, located at 200 4th Street. Anyone interested in this sister city relationship between Estes Park and Monteverde is invited to attend. There will be a brief, informative program explaining the goals and plans for the Estes Park Sister City Association, and refreshments will be served. The annual membership in EPSCA is $30 per individual. In the meantime, interested persons are encouraged to visit the emerging EPSCA website, still under construction at epsistercities.org to learn more about the organization. Future plans include two exchanges intended to re-establish relationships with Estes Park's sister community, Monteverde. Both would occur in 2024, including an educational youth exchange focusing on science and culture and an adult exchange focused on tourism and business, as well as relationships with nearby national parks and libraries. As always, these exchanges have a goal of building a strong future of collaboration and citizen diplomacy. Obituaries Charles Laughlin Kerr, Professional Engineer, Retired Born February 8, 1932, in Ogdensburg, New York, to Leslie W. and Harriet Laughlin, nay Davis, Kerr. Charlie graduated from Watertown, New York High School in 1950 and St. Lawrence University with a Bachelor of Science in Geology in 1954. That year, while a graduate student at the University of Texas, he met and married Evelyn R. Cheney of Austin, Texas. Their marriage ended in an amicable divorce in 1973. In 1979, he married Beverly G. Vanderpool of Fabius, New York. With time out for college and military service, Charlie worked in the New York State Department of Public Works, later named the Department of Transportation, beginning in 1952. His career with the department he worked at various times in the Watertown and Syracuse regions and in the Albany Bureau of Soil Mechanics. He was engineer in charge of several highway and bridge construction projects, 
retiring as construction supervisor in the Syracuse region in 1989. Upon retirement, he moved with his family to Estes Park. He then worked for CDOT for 12 years for Rocky Mountain National Park as a seasonal employee in facilities management on several construction projects and maintenance projects. Charlie was an elder and for many years treasurer of the Pinewood Springs Community Church. In the past, he was a tutor for Literacy Volunteers of America and a Little League baseball coach. More recently, he was a tutor in Estes Park for English language learners, Habitat for Humanity volunteer, and a driver for Meals on Wheels. Charlie enjoyed doing things with his family, travel, woodworking, painting, and photography. He was preceded in death by his parents, brother Leslie, and his beloved wife Beverly. He is survived by his sons William of Arlington, Texas, Ward of Sun Prairie, Minnesota, Matthew of Loveland, Colorado, and his daughters Jan Bigger of Salem, Virginia, and Molly Kerr of Estes Park, Colorado, Susie of San Antonio, Texas, his grandchildren Charles, Jeremy, Christopher, Cheney, Grant Jr., Chris, Stacy, Jude, Bryce, Ellie, and Adam, and his great-grandchildren Alicia, Nathan, Mabry, Sophia, Luke, James, Stella, and Phoebe. In lieu of flowers, please send donations in Charles's name to Rocky Mountain National Park Conservancy for Trail Improvements at rmconservancy.org slash join hyphen or hyphen give slash donate. Richard O'Reilly, Jr. After a lengthy battle with several chronic conditions, Richard C. O'Reilly, Jr. passed away on 7-26-23 in Fort Collins, Colorado. He was preceded in death by his father, Richard C. O'Reilly, Sr., his mother, Nadine Hensley O'Reilly, and his sister, Patricia Ennenbach. He is survived by his wife, Betty, nay Ullman, O'Reilly, sons Dylan, Logan, and Brendan. His grandchildren, Taylor, RJ, Maya, and Leo, and his siblings, Tom, Mary Zagosda, and John. In lieu of flowers, donations may be made to the Special Olympics in Rich's honor. For more details on services, please contact the family at buo47 at yahoo.com or call 970-330-3707. To leave condolences for Rich's family, please visit lighthousefamilylfm.com. Estes Park Health, seeing COVID cases, not hospitalizations. Estes Park Health is seeing COVID cases, but not an increase in hospitalizations. COVID is still around and causing illness, but most patients are needing simple, symptom-supportive care without severe disease requiring a stay in the hospital. The Healthcare Infection Control Practices Advisory Committee, HICPAC, 
is moving towards terms of common COVID and severe COVID to differentiate between the kinds of disease the virus is causing. Heading into the fall season, please follow good hand hygiene practices, said Grace Moran Hanna, RN, BSN, Estes Park Health's Infection Prevention Program Manager. Good hygiene reduces intestinal illnesses by up to 40% and respiratory illnesses by up to 21%. Coupled with respiratory etiquette of covering your mouth with a cloth or tissue when coughing or sneezing, followed with proper disposal and hand hygiene, will greatly reduce the chances of getting ill or spreading illness. Current COVID variants show similar spike proteins with few differences, although COVID is continuing to evolve as viruses do. The FDA has set a new monovalent XBB lineage of the Omicron variant vaccine will be available at the end of September for the 2023-24 season. Please work with your health care provider to plan for our upcoming fall and winter respiratory season, which also includes the possibility of influenza and RSV. Celebrate the 150th anniversary of McGregor Ranch on August 23rd. Join friends and neighbors to celebrate the 150th anniversary of McGregor Ranch on August 23rd. Established in 1873 by Alexander and Clara McGregor, the ranch is honoring its legacy and bringing the Estes Park community together to honor one of the earliest families who made many impacts on the town's development. The McGregor family ran this ranch for generations with a deep sense of pride for the tradition of ranching, which continues today, thanks to the folks who preserve and maintain it as a working cattle ranch and youth education center, said Colleen DePascal, Executive Director, Estes Chamber of Commerce. Let this anniversary be a pledge by this community to safeguard the legacy entrusted to us, to ensure that the generations to come will also stand here, celebrating the achievements, memories, and shared moments that make this ranch a cherished part of our history. Todd Jursa, Ranch Trustee. Now McGregor Ranch offers a window into the past to one of the earliest businesses in town that has such a significant impact on our community. We're looking forward to supporting this anniversary and 150 more years, DePascal added. The community picnic will be held on Wednesday, August 23rd, from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. The event is free and will feature live music from Chain Station and Lost Penny. There will be a children's area sponsored by Estes Chamber of Commerce and an old-time taffy pole sponsored by the taffy shop. Attendees are welcome to bring their own picnic dinner or enjoy fare from one of the food trucks on site. Dessert will be provided by McGregor Ranch and You Need Pie, Diner and Bakery. Beer will be for sale from Lumpy Ridge Brewing Company, Avant-Garde Aleworks, and Rock Cut Brewery. Porta-potties and hand-washing stations will also be available. This community picnic is made possible by Visit Estes Park, Estes Chamber of Commerce, You Need Pie, Diner and Bakery, The Taffy Shop, 
Avant-Garde Ale Works, Rock Cup Brewing Company, Lumpy Ridge Brewing Company, Estes Park Trail Gazette, North End Property Owners Association, Estes Valley Library, EVICS Family Resource Center, and the YMCA of the Rockies. Thank you for joining us. For the Estes Park News, I'm Kathy Piancone.